Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. If you'd like to contact the show, email tstradio at protonmail.com or rdgable at yahoo.com. You can find The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio or listen in the free archive at thesecretteachings.info or anywhere you listen to radio shows and podcasts. Just type in the name of the show. You'll see my name there, Ryan Gable, and you can stream the show and download the show for free. If you'd like to get the ad-free version of the show plus montages and other goodies, you can go to aftermath.media to subscribe. You can also keep your old Secret Teaching subscription on our website if you choose. And if you choose to renew that, you can also renew that. You can keep the old one, as I said. You do not have to switch over, but all from right now onward, all subscriptions will now be through Aftermath.media. Again, if you have any questions on that, email Aftermath or email me, and I will get you an answer. Lastly, before we begin the show, our fundraiser to Contact in the Desert. We've gotten a handful of people who have already donated to us, a few people quite a bit more than others, but it's not about how much, it's about just a little bit. So I don't tell you how much anybody donated directly, but we've had a couple of donations from some listeners. Uh, John Peasy, our friend, uh, I hope I pronounce everybody's name correctly, James Carpenter, uh, Dave Sebeck, or Sebeck, Ray Lackenauer, and our friends at Nexus Occult Bookstore here in Arizona, they donated a little bit of money to our fundraiser as well. We're actually going to do a big show with those guys from Nexus Occult Bookstore probably at the beginning of next week. And I'm trying to get them to do a two-part show because these guys are so knowledgeable and they're so fun. And it should just be a fantastic roundtable of occultism and esotericism, maybe even some pop conspiracies thrown in. These guys are very knowledgeable, as I said. That'll be a fun show. Look forward to that. At least one show. We might do two next week. So everybody who's already donated, thank you so much. We put that money right into the show, into paying for gas and lodging for that conference. Also, as some of you might have heard, coming up on the weekend of the 18th, there is a conference in Sedona, Arizona, and I will be going to that as well. I'm only going to be there Saturday evening and Sunday, some of the day Monday, but the conference is over Sunday. But I will be at that conference. Uh, there are some people there that I don't necessarily agree with, and there are a lot of people there that I've never met, and there are some people there that I know very personally. So it should be a good mixture of uh, contacts and a good time. If you're going to be in Sedona, uh, that would be a good thing to come check out on the weekend of the 18th. Uh, John Polk will be there. We knew John Polk from the old radio station days. And, uh, well, Brad Olson will be there. Um, and a couple of other people, uh, some big names will be there, some people that have some good stuff to share. So you can also check that out. Even if you're not going to the event, I don't know if they're going to have video feeds, but it's something to uh, to look into. I think there was just AlienCon, too. I just saw something about AlienCon. And uh, I think that was, they used to have that in Texas. I don't know much about that, though. I might go to that someday. 
But anyway, thank you so much for donating. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting us. Thank you so much for emailing us. I got a really great email from a listener last night about our show, or the night before last, rather, about our show of, of about Japan uh, and the declining birth rate. But this idea that Tokyo is overpopulated, it's actually overcrowded. And a listener sent us this really interesting, um, I think it was like a study uh, on the difference between Western and Eastern agriculture uh, growing wheat as opposed to growing rice. And that that fascinated me. That was a really great email. So if you have interesting things to share, please send them over to the email. I'd love to read what you have to share with me. Tonight on the show, speaking of agriculture, tonight on the show, I wanted to do something. I try to do this every couple of years. I want to go right to the core of the esoteric, right to the core of the occult. People ask me all the time, what is the occult? What is the esoteric? And I tell them it just means hidden. It just means hidden. The occult just means something that is hidden, something that is concealed. It could be intentionally concealed. It could be unintentionally concealed in terms of consciousness. Or it could be intentionally slash unintentionally concealed by the natural world. Like, for example, those things that we perceive from this side of the mirror, if you will, in the other world or the other dimension, the world of spirits, something there animates what is here. And we can imagine that the physical has obviously an effect on the spiritual as well. And you don't have to be religious to understand these concepts. And at the very core of everything, at the very core of all of this, is the foundation of the world. Obviously, the grand architect whether that's in the Matrix movie or that's in a, a ghost song or that is in I mean, the, the band ghost or it is just this concept like Jesus was a carpenter. Uh, Krishna, there are some stories of Krishna, the Christ, also being a carpenter. The idea of the houses of the Zodiac, the houses being built in heaven. A carpenter, someone who knows how to build houses, is probably going to construct those things. So we see God as kind of like the great architect. We see God as the constructor of the physical world or what some now popularly call 3D. Uh, I don't like that term, but that is something that people use quite a bit. The 3D world. There is a famous painting by William Blake God creating the universe. And if you look at this painting, God is considered an architect as a creator. And this archetype is utilized by occult sciences. Blake depicted the creator in this image, measuring with a compass the borders of his creation, setting forth the fundamental mathematical laws of the world. The long white beard of the architect shows his relationship to Father Time, and thus the Grim Reaper who carries the agricultural scythe of Demeter and Osiris and etc. He also shares attributes with the Scandinavian Odin because of the long white beard who lives in the north, uh, the multi-named Santa Claus or the contractual clause that you make with Santa, like a naughty or nice list, like trick or treating, very similar, or Father Christmas. In Mesopotamia, this god, this creator was known as Great Misfortune. And misfortune is not always a negative misfortune. Sometimes misfortune can be a positive thing. In other words, evil 
can be necessary. And evil can be described and defined in a lot of different ways. Evil is really just a reversing of life or live, L-I-V-E-E-V-I-L. So evil is this oppressive, and be careful how you define that word, but this oppressive and suppressive force that is necessary in order to achieve balance and homeostasis. Without that evil, without the demons and the monsters tearing the physical apart, the soul can never escape or transcend, if you will, the physical vessel that it is, depending on your viewpoint, trapped in or visiting in or having an experience in or all the above and more or all the above and no more. So these are necessary evils. This is the idea of Saturn. Saturn is the architect. Saturn is the builder of the physical world. And that world is usually, depending on the, let's call it um, culture, depending on the culture, the world is usually depicted invariably as round, but also invariably as being cubic. This is Metatron's cube, you know, the high angel Metatron. This is Metatron's cube. The cube, the three-dimensional world, it is our physical reality, physical existence. Sometimes the world is also shown in two dimensions as just being a square or one side of the cube, if you will. And that square obviously has four points. You can do a lot of geometrical things with it. You can take triangles out of it. You can fold it in half and make a a rectangle, then fold it in half again, make a smaller square. You can do a lot of things with it. But if you look at those four points, those are the four corners of the world. Those are the four parts of nature, the four elements. Those are the four seasons, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And throughout human history, depending on the culture, uh, we refer to these things in a very similar way. For example, we know the corners of creation. We know east, south, west, and north. We also have fixed signs of the zodiac, parts of the cherubim, the seasons, the ages of man, the states of existence, the parts of man, etc., 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 that align with east, south, west, and north. Now, if you want to get a pen and write this down, because this took a lot of research to to pull all of this out, so you could just write this down now and and steal what I uh, took time to research. Uh, This is actually coming right out of my book, Occult Arcana. Uh, I just redid the cover for that, by the way, and uh, I've added probably 60 pages to it, the the, the newest edition. And by the way, if you've already bought that book and you want the newest physical edition, I'll give it to you pretty much at cost. Uh, just contact me uh, and uh, we can figure that out. But anyway, the this is right in my book. And if you don't have the book, you want to just write it down. The four corners of creation, east, south, west, and north. The fixed zodiac signs that align with east, south, west, and north are Aquarius, Leo, Scorpio, and Taurus. Cer- certain traditions will put them in different parts of the, uh, of the corner, different, a different corner of creation. But it's East Aquarius, South Leo, West Scorpio, North Taurus, the bull. Then you have the parts of the cherubim. You have man, which is Aquarius. You have the lion, which is obviously Leo. You have the eagle, which is Scorpio. And you have the bull, which is Taurus. You have spring, summer, autumn, and winter. The ages of man are childhood, youth, maturity, and age. The states of existence are birth, growth, maturity, 
and decay, the parts of man are the spirit, soul, mind, and body. The parts of man, alternatively, are the spiritual, the emotional, which the soul is the emotion, the spirit is the spiritual, the mind, which is the intellectual, and the body, which is the physical. You have Enochian spirits, the Hikoma, the Bitom, the Exarp, and the Nanta. You have the worlds of elements, aquatic, infernal, aerial, and terrestrial. You have the qualities of the elements. You have cold, you have heat, you have moisture, you have dryness. And those elements are going to become very important for the remainder of tonight's show. The qualities of the elements in particular, cold, heat, moisture, and dryness. You have the qualities of the celestials, the agility, the light, the ethereal, and the solidity. You have the rulers of the elements. You have Tharsis, Seraph, Cherub, and Ariel. These are the rulers of the elements. You have the elementals. The elementals are the Undines. Those are the water spirits or water elementals. The salamanders, which are fire. You have the sliffs, which are air. And then you have the gnomes, which are earth. You have the angelic rulers of the four corners, Gabriel, Michael, Raphael, Uriel. You have the perfect mixed bodies. The four perfect mixed bodies in occultism are metals, animals, plants, and stones. You have different kinds of animals. You have swimming animals, walking animals, flying animals, creeping animals. Of course, you have the four horses of the apocalypse, the white, the red, the black, and the pale Pale is green, chloros, the changing of the leaves. That signifies death is coming, winter is coming. You have the evangelists of Matthew, Mark, John, and Luke. The agents of alchemy, mercury, salt, sulfur, and azoth, A-Z-O-T-H. The scientific elements are hydrogen, nitrogen, carbon, and oxygen. Notice that the scientific elements align with the elements in the elementals. Hydrogen, nitrogen. Carbon, oxygen. Oxygen is, well, air. Carbon is, well, that's earth. Nitrogen, fire. Hydrogen, water. Of course, you have the states of matter, liquid, plasma, solid, and gas. These also align with the elementals. You have the four types of divination. Hydromancy, pyromancy, geomancy, aromancy. You have the four metals, mercury, copper, lead, gold, or silver. Powers of the soul, fantasy, intellect, reason, and sense. The judiciary powers of opinion, faith, science, and experience. Moral virtues, prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude, things you'll see in the tarot cards. You have the four humors, the phlegm, the color, the blood, the melancholy. And you have the infernal rivers, uh, of the underworld, the sticks, you have Phlegathon, you have Coctus, and you have Acheron. The senses, of course, are taste and smell. They are intimately connected. Sight, hearing, and touch. And then, of course, you have the elements themselves, water, fire, air, and earth. Also in Shinto, Shintoism, you have the Ichirei Shikon, and those are the different parts of the soul. Uh, the parts of the soul are Nigi Mitama, Sachi Mitama, Kushi Mitama, and Ara Mitama. So when you take into consideration these four elements in all of their different forms, four elements or four elementals, the scientific elements 
the rulers of the elements, the angelic rulers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You notice that these are all scientific ways to observe and to analyze and to catalog the, the natural world or this 3D world, this cube or this square, Metatron's cube, Saturn's square, etc., that we live in and that we perceive to be all of existence. And some of us can perceive what is beyond the cube, if you will. Nevertheless, it is what we consider to be the world that we live in, our existence, reality. That's in the cube, and these are the different elements of the cube. Now, in some traditions, there are different names for what I'm about to say, but there's also a fifth element. And the fifth element is, is it's, it's the idea of, of man. Uh, man is a composite of all of the other elements. So in Eastern tradition you get the idea of fire, air, earth, and water, but also space. And space, think about space, take a blank piece of paper. This is something that you should probably draw out yourself, and I'll do it, in fact, here in, in studio too with you. Let me get a piece of paper so I can visualize it better. So you have a blank piece of paper, right? If you just draw a circle, it doesn't have to be perfect. Just draw a circle. That's space. If you look at the circle with a little dot in the middle, they call that the monad. Okay, the monad. Now, the monad or the circle with the dot in the middle can be seen in a couple of different ways. You, whether you read Alan Watts or Manley Hall, uh, they say that the, the outside, the circumference of the circle is the expansion of consciousness or God. And that the inside, that little point, is basically infinity. Uh, so the outside is kind of like God. And the central point is the singularity. That's the expansion of where God is coming from. And it comes out in, you know, seven rays, etc. You could also look at it from the other point of view. And neither one's necessarily right or wrong. And that is that the, the circumference of the circle itself is kind of like the singularity point in the vast ocean of the abyss or nothingness. And the center point is, is God uh, expanding outward with seven rays of light. And this creates the, you know, the, the, the wheel, the spoked wheel um, uh, of Ishtar, uh, the many wheels that were seen in the sky in the Bible. This is kind of where this idea might come from as well. But this, this whole idea of the circle with the dot in the middle, this is space. This is space. So you have this open space and you have this centerpiece in the middle. And the centerpiece in the middle is either God or call it uh, you call it God or you can call it uh, singularity, whatever, whatever you want to choose to call it. And out from there, there arise the four elements. So you get your four elements, your four directions that gives um, that gives foundation, that gives structure to the universe without those elements, without those directions then there is no foundation, there is no structure. It's just this limitless, circular expanse that really isn't a circle. It's not really not expansive. There really is no way to determine what's up, down, what's left, right, what's what's anywhere. You don't know what light or darkness is. It's just, it's just kind of everything all at once, everything everywhere all at once. So you have to have a foundation or a structure to hold the whole thing together. So this is where you get your elements, and this is where you get your directions from. So you get your north, south, west, and east. And then you also get your elements of fire, water, air, and earth. And scientists today, they work with the same elements. They just call them hydrogen, nitrogen, carbon, and oxygen. Same exact thing, though. Water, fire, 
earth, and air. Those elements, those four elements, and those four directions, they make up the physical world. And that physical world, when you draw the, you know, like a compass, north, south, west, east, and you apply the elements to one of those directions, it's not necessarily right or wrong either way, then you get the square. So the circle, this is the, you know, squaring the circle. You get the circle in the middle, it expands, singularity point in the middle, and then you get the square around it constructed by the four elements or the four directions which give foundation and structure to the world. This is uh, Metatron's cube. This is also, you could you could call it the, um, uh, kind of like the, the square and compass of the Masons, uh, literally a square. And this is also how William Blake depicted God. So you got the Metatron's cube, you got the square and compass, uh, or what people just generally refer to as the 3D world. It's not necessarily a negative thing, uh, this, but this is what we would call physical existence, or we call it Saturn, like Metatron's, Saturn's cube, because Saturn is the grand architect uh, of the universe, and he's a necessary evil, and he controls time. And within this construct, within this foundation and in this structure, uh, it creates time. However you perceive it, it creates this perception of time. Uh, this is the mechanics of the universe, the mechanics uh, of the celestial realm. And these mechanics are mathematics and geometry, uh, physics, etc. These are things that, you know, we, we might kind of laugh at, like, why are we going to need to know mathematics in life or geometry or things like that? But this is really the foundation of our entire universe, of, of our reality of existence, etc., and so if you're just kind of drawing this out with me, you got the circle, you got the elements and the, and the and the directions. And then around that, you can, you know, create, if you want, create your little, you know, celestial mechanics. It's the foundation, the structure that creates time. It's Metatron's cube, the square and the compass, the 3D world, the structure of the cube. It is everything. It is what we call the physical world. And the physical world, as you heard me mention a moment ago, uh, the physical world, the earth has a spirit to it. And the spirit of the earth is known as, a lot of different names, but known as a gnome. A gnome presides over rocks, dirt, wood, and all other associated elements. The most common type of gnome is probably a brownie or an elf. It is a mischievous character, usually no larger than a couple of feet high, a couple of feet tall, their homes are within holes or the stumps of trees. They often appear very aged with long white beards and canes for support. And this is usually a character that is very masculine because, because earthen material is more masculine in nature due to its rugged condition. Uh, trolls would be another name, gargoyles, goblins. And that's actually what the gnome is, you know, as a, uh, if you could say gnome culture, if you will, uh, the gnome spirits are ruled over by a god, a god that goes by the name of Gob, G-O-B, a magician named Gob. If you ever watched Arrested Development, uh, it's not a magic trick, it's an illusion. A Gob is a goblin. Goblins rule the world of the gnomes. That is the physical material world. When we come back, the next three segments, we're going to go through the rest of the three elements right here on The Secret Teachings. More after this. Don't go anywhere.
From para-history and the paranormal to the parapolitical and para-occult, you're listening to The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. You know you can listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. I don't need it. Or in the free archive on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or on any radio or podcast player or application. I don't need it. But you can also subscribe to our ad-free archive, now hosted by Aftermath.media. Definitely don't need it. There's the basic and premium option. You get the montages, my digital books, and more. For those of you who already have a Secret Teaching subscription, you can still keep that subscription. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info. Info or aftermath.media and subscribe today. I need it! If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana? Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir. Or if that's not enough, check out Good Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings, but most importantly, it supports you. Hello folks, this is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable. I hope you find it enlightening. Behold, the great realm the dwarf city of Dwellerton. The blues are said to be these earth creatures that are commonly found in nature, anywhere that has a lot of vegetation, and there has been many sightings of duendes in Latin American countries and also in the Philippines. Pukwajis have haunted the forests of Massachusetts for ages now. According to one source, for centuries they tormented the local Native Americans and crept their way into their creation myths and oral history. They could easily be passed off as legend, and in fact, their physical description is much like mythological creatures from other cultures and other times. Call me Elsa one more time. They have a cave troll. I would say that these greys were their helpers. When you say greys, it's not just one species of extraterrestrial. Was it possible? Did these beings come from another world or from a parallel universe? From this distant vantage point, the Earth might not seem of any particular interest. But for us, it's different. Consider again that dot. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you ever heard of, every human being who ever was, lived out their lives. It underscores our responsibility to deal more kindly with one another and to preserve and cherish the pale blue dot. The only home we've ever known. The pale blue dot, the four elements, the four elementals, the foundational structure of the material world, the four directions, the celestial mechanics, Metatron's cube, Saturn's cube, 
the 3D world, the square and compass of the Masons, the structure of chronology, the structure of time, all of this emanating from a central point, the expansion of spirit moving across or upon the waters and the formation of the physical three-dimensional world of a cube or the 2D world of the square where we can more easily understand what these elements are. The first element tonight we looked at is the earth. That is the physical world and all of the various aspects and elements of the physical world grouped together. But when we break it down, you get more than just the earth because the earth has certain qualities, as Cornelius Agrippa points out in his massive compilation of occult material. That essence of earth and also the other elements is broken into four categories. Those four categories are cold. The earth can be cold, right? You ever had some really cold mud, some cold clay? The ground is cold. Been to a cold beach. The ground, the earth can be cold. You go below ground in some places because it's too hot. It gets really cold. But it's also hot. It's also very hot. You have earthquakes that can trigger volcanoes. And when those volcanoes erupt, it's very hot. Earthquakes. Ground opens up. Heat escapes. Heat is everywhere. Heat is absorbed into the ground. Plants. The sun penetrates the ground. It is the sun goddess or sun god penetrating the earth goddess. You also have moisture. The ground is moist, right? It rains a little bit. Moisture. And then, of course, dryness. You get dryness out here in the desert where I am. Even if you're in the desert, even if it's dry, you can still find moisture. Some places in the ground, if you go up to higher elevations, you can find it more easily. Of course, there's moisture in plants and trees and cactus around here, the saguaro cactus. Earth is cold, hot, moist, and dry all at once but to different varying degrees depending on where you're looking. That is the element of the physical world. Then we move on to another world. We move on to the world of, we could choose the Undines, the Sliffs, or the Salamanders. The Undines occupy water, and they invoke images of mermaids and serpentine creatures like Meliocene. The Undine, or the mermaid, we just talked about last week on the show, as a matter of fact. In Japan, scientists have been looking at a dozen or more supposed mermaids that were found in the country. The most recent they've analyzed, they've done scans of it. Turns out it is a combination of cloth and paper and material sewn together from different animals and uh, fish and to look like a mermaid, a very small little thing, uh, or to look like what the Japanese refer to it as a ningyo. A ningyo is a human figure that sort of looks like what we would call a mermaid. Um, and uh, supposedly these, these images uh, emerged from Japan's ancient Juomon culture. Uh, supposed to be a primitive hunter-gatherer society. But the, the, no matter what society or culture in Japan that these, these mermaids originated from, it's not just in Japan, it's all over the world. Israel has mermaid sightings often. It seems like a weird story, but if you go to the internet and type in Israel mermaids, people see mermaids all the time in Israel. It's a thing. People have seen mermaids all over the world, all throughout recorded time. That could also be because maybe you see a girl in the water, she's attractive, 
and uh, you imagine her to be half human, half fish. That's where a lot of folklorists believe some of this idea came from. But it's something people have seen all over the world. Misidentification or real creature or some kind of deformity in nature, whatever. That's the idea of the mermaid. Or Melusine. Melusine is a siren. And she lures men to their demise. She brings the beautiful voice of the female to a fever pitch. And that draws unsuspecting boaters and sailors to ground their boats where they die. And the interesting thing about Melusine is a lot of you probably worship her and Honor her every single day and you don't know it. Melusine is the official, and this is not a joke or an exaggeration or a conspiracy, Melusine is the official symbol and logo of Starbucks. In fact, if you go look at original Starbucks logos, they were using the original Melusine depiction, but thought that it was a little too sexual because she had her legs that were sort of like fins and had scales. She had her legs spread. So they decided, let's change the image and let's zoom in. So now it just looks like the logo you know, but if you back out of that logo, it's actually a mermaid with her legs spread open. And Starbucks is one of those places where even though people know that it's overpriced and it's not that good, they just go there anyway. It's like they're being drawn by the siren to support that company. Why do you think Starbucks chose that logo? It's not that Starbucks is the only company to do something like that. They're drawing on the power of the siren in the same way that all these banks and companies and restaurants, they draw on the power of colors or they draw on the power of pyramids or suns because there is an energy and a reservoir of energy there to tap into and to give, hopefully, the the business to give them success or more power or whatever it is. They draw on these symbols. So this is, this is an undine. Uh, it is a, a water spirit. And the undine is a, it's one of those weird kind of uh, a characters, the undine, or they also call them the uh, naiad, um, generally seen as a, as a European spirit of fresh water, though they are seen, of course, all over the, the world. Water has traditionally been seen as feminine due to its nurturing essence, fluidic motions, and the influences of the feminine moon on tides. And so these water spirits were always very female. Uh, In Shintoism, it is considered the most sacred in terms of of a location uh, for purification if you can find a river that empties into an ocean or a larger body of water, usually the ocean. If you can find that place where the river and the ocean meet and bathe there, or what they call misogi, then you're going to have more power drawn from the masculine river and the feminine ocean. So there's an alchemical marriage happening there. And this is what, I mean, I'm sure it's not just in Shinto, but misogi is the practice of ritual purification by washing the entire body in Shintoism and to find water that connects male and female, a river and an ocean, this is considered the most pure. Again, the water is feminine not only because of its fluidity, 
and it sort of takes the shape of whatever it's in and it's malleable and bendable and and it can um, do a lot of things. Uh, the water, the essence of the water, the femininity, the curvature, the, the fluidity, uh, the, the essence of the water is represented by the mermaid, by the undine, and of course the influence of the moon, which is lunar, uh, luna, and usually seen as uh, feminine, although uh, Jehovah is a moon god and considered very male. And these undines are found reportedly in all forms of water, not just in the ocean, but in waterfalls, rivers, lakes, ponds, fountains, etc. The cycles of the moon offered a natural method by which time could be determined, especially to ancient man. Ancient civilizations created calendars erected upon these divisions. The moon was later replaced by the sun with its significant contribution to monitoring time for agricultural means. So the moon and the sun, as most of you know, were used to determine the length of weeks and months, and of course to determine uh, agricultural practices, when something should be planted, when something should be harvested, etc., and, and between the two, you get this male-female alchemical relationship again between the sun and the moon, between the river, and between the ocean. Uh, thus, the moon, as most of you also probably know, uh, uh, is the word, uh, Latin, the word that Luna and the moon, it, it is derived, um, or I should say the word menses or menstruation is derived from moon or Luna. Uh, water spirits, the feminine menstruation, the cycles of the moon, you know, your period of the period of time that you go through menstruation, all of this is obviously very feminine in, na in nature. Uh, and the undines were ruled over by nexa, nexa, spelled just like that, nek, N-E-C-K-S-A. And they honored, the undines honored nexa in folklore and tradition, uh, in the same way that the gnomes honor gob. And nexa, and the Undines are traditionally given as a kingdom, the western corners of creation, in the same way that the uh, all of the other elements are given a specific corner of creation to uh, to protect. Uh, and this is actually we'll get into this later, but this is where the the idea of the eastern uh, wind comes from for the sliffs uh, or the south, you know, hell for fire. For salamanders. So these ideas are composite and they are found all over the world. Call them the Ningyo or call them the Undine or call them the Nexa or call them the Naiad. Call them whatever you choose to call them. They also go by other names. Uh, Potamides, Neiraides, Limoniados or something. To, I can't remember how to pronounce that word. It looks like a word that's just made up. It's L-I-M-O-N, Limon, I-A-D-O-E-S, Iados, uh, and then Oriadis. These are just names for the Undines or for the, for the water spirits. And those water spirits, of course, water can come in a lot of different forms. Water can come cold. Water can come hot. Water is, of course, moist. And you might not think water can be dry, but think about different kinds of water, salt water, fresh water, glacial water, mountain water, 
river water, ocean water, you know, all the different kinds of water. Think about like a glass of wine. I don't drink wine myself, but I've been around enough people to know, and I've heard people say, this wine's dry. How can it be dry? Well, it describes the quality of it, right? Some wines are sweet, some wines are dry. Water can likewise be dry. And especially if you live in a, a, uh, a big city, you get something called hard water. You get water that is pretty contaminated or filled with a lot of impurities, and that can dry your skin out. So water can also, of course, be very, very dry, even though it doesn't seem as if water is dry, because water is, you know, it's, it's naturally moisturizing uh, in a sense. So when you take into consideration the earth, the gnome ruled by Gob, and the water, because God separated the waters, right? And the firmament, we go back to the story of Genesis, when God created the world and said, let there be light, and all of this is described in the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So he created the physical material world. Now, the earth was formless and empty. So this is the circular circular uh, thing that we did earlier, the circle with the dot in the middle, the expansion, and the four corners. But there is little form, and it's pretty empty. So darkness was over the faces, uh, the face or the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. That's the circle hovering over the primordial waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Light brought attention to the details. God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. So half of that creative force became darkness. The other half became light. Contrast so you can see and understand what is light, what is dark, what could be perceived as dangerous, and what could be perceived as more safe. All the opposites from good and evil to what good and evil really is. Good is God. Good God. God is good. And, well, evil is the devil. 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 So, God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So, we went earth, the creation, and the form, and then the water, the water that was separated. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. And God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. So this is the grand alchemical formula of the Rosicrucians. This is on the cover of most of the mass-produced books by Manley Hall, uh, The Secret Teachings of All Ages. It's also a logo that we used to use for our show or a painting we used to use for our show. The grand alchemical formula. And what that grand alchemical formula is, is if you, again, think about that circle and you think about half dark, half light, and then there's a dome above it, the dome, and then the bottom part is earth, the dome is the sky, this is the vault of heaven, and above heaven are the clouds, if you look at the Rosicrucian formula, the clouds, and then you see Yahweh and the creator and everything there at the top. And of course, you apply, apply the tree of life to it, you get the spheres, uh, you get Kether, you get Malkuth. Kether is the heavens. Malkuth is the, the sphere or the globe below. And you work in between these other spheres on the way down and, of course, on the way up. People that 
I don't like using the word Satanist, but people that are kind of Satanist or they want to invert things, they invert that world. So they put heaven down where hell is and hell where heaven is. They exalt hell. And the whole purpose is to, to work backwards in this, uh, in this ladder, which is, of course, Jacob's ladder, which was uh, let down from heaven to, to assist uh, in a process of spiritual awakening, etc. So God let there be light. God let there be a vault between the waters and separated them. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. So this is the creation not only of the physical world and of the earth, the vault of heaven, the waters, that are separated. This is kind of more of the primordial earth uh, that we understand. Then the let, then God let the land produce vegetation. She brought plants, and the plants grew, and then the animals, and the whole world came into being. Now, what the Bible is describing: let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. You know what those lights are in the sky. Governing day and night. The stars. The light is part of the sun. The stars. Stars are the sun. Or suns or reflective planets or whatever it is. If you choose to believe that, well, space is real. Uh, don't believe everything I'm told, but I don't think that space is unreal. I don't think that a lot of the current conspiracy theories are anything more than uh, psyops or psychological operations meant to really confuse and distract you from more sacred information like this. And I'm not a, a, a wizard or anything. I'm just simply making an observation, uh, geometrically speaking, of what Genesis is explaining, what Genesis is, uh, is detailing. And what is being described is pretty much what you would find in um, any interpretation of the Bible, for one, there are many interpretations of the Bible, and you see this kind of thing described uh, in a lot of different ways. But also you find a similar kind of, of creation-type story in, even in the Quran. Um, it's pretty interesting if you read the Quran or the Popol Vuh, you find the creation of man in all of them. The, the, the Mayan story, the Popol Vuh, uh, describes basically what Genesis describes. It describes basically what the Quran describes. In fact, I'm pretty sure in the Quran, if anybody speaks Arabic or has a Quran or is a Muslim, I know we have some Muslim listeners, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure in the Quran, there's even reference to like really scientific terms. It's been retranslated, of course, and updated with new modern words, but like there's usage of words that relate to sperm and eggs. So like talking about procreation from a super scientific point of view. And from what I remember reading that, that is in the Quran somewhere. And then if you go through the list of, uh, of creation, you know, from light and earth and the waters and all that, uh, you also find that there are other texts, some that you've probably never heard of before. Uh, and those texts describe very similar things. Like for example, the Kujiki 72, which is, along with many other Kujiki texts in ancient Japan, there are a lot of uh, disputes over whether it is authentic or not. A lot of the, uh, a lot of the texts like the Nihon Shoki and others are official history because they give authority to the lineages of certain clans and the emperor. But there's a lot of history in Japan, for example, that mirrors and mimics 
like, well, the Holy Bible or the Holy Quran. For example, the Kujiki 72 starts out and, and basically says the exact same thing that the Bible tells us. It says, the creator rules over boundless infinity. Nothing existed before the creator. No one ruled before the creator. The creator is without form. But this is the idea of God sending his son. God branched out. God became form. God created the seven-rayed expansion of the abyss or Leviathan around the, the expansion of light. God vaulted or created a vault in the heavens and then the earth below. Uh, created the basically the egg and cracked it open. Uh, or the egg fell into the primordial waters, which is very uh, Taoist in, in, in nature, very Eastern, very Chinese. The, uh, the egg that cracks open. Uh, the yin-yang that comes out of it. This is uh, positive and negative. Light and darkness are created uh, or contrasted against each other. The four corners of the world, north, south, west, and east. And of course, the elementals that go along with them. The elementals of the undines or the water spirits and the gnomes, which are the earth spirits. The earth spirits ruled by Gob, a king, and Nexa rules the undines. And these undines, these water spirits, again, mermaids, whatever you choose to call them, they are in use today in places you wouldn't think, like the logo for Starbucks. We are still influenced by these characters. I mean, what was one of the words of the year last year? Goblin mode. One of the most popular coffee places in America, and also it's not just in America, but one of the most popular coffee places in America uses a water nymph as their logo. And... The idea of the, the gnome or goblin mode is supposedly the most popular word, most used word of, of the last year. That should say something. That means that the powers and the influences of earth and water, be them cold, hot, moist, or dry, are not just active today inside and outside of your body the physical world around you, but in every aspect of your daily life. You don't think about how often you go through life cold, hot, moist, dry, how often you go through life interacting with the four elements, interacting with salt or earth or water in your tea or your coffee. We interact with these elements every single day. And these elements have, let's call it an essence or an energy and, and this is kind of the idea of, well, animism. that Everything is bestowed with life. Everything has some kind of energy or spirit or even soul in it. I mean, you think about, look at a car. Look at a piece of clothing. You know, we, we might say that car has personality. Uh, we even name our cars sometimes. Or we name our, our big rigs, our trucks. Um, got a lot of truck, dri tri truck drivers that listen to this show, and they they had a lot of people text me over the years. Uh, you know, they've shown me their truck or whatever they've, you know, they've uh, they've done to their vehicles. So I've got a, had like two or three different people that were in truck decorating contests. They did their rigs up real nice, and, and uh, that you name your truck, you decorate it. It, it has a, a, an energy to it, as a spirit to it. You know, your house. Uh, you know, you can feel the energy in your house. You can feel if it's taken care of in the right way you can feel that that essence that's that's an extension of you it has a spirit uh it is the spirit t-h-e capital the spirit or the a-l-l all which is expanding it is animating you you're an individual 
And then what you interact with transfers that energy. Well, that could be a, a book, that could be a piece of clothing, that could be this microphone, that could be anything. You are, if you are aware of it and conscious of it, even if you're not conscious or aware of it, but especially if you're unconscious of it, you're interacting and you're sending out these energetic responses to everything you touch. Every day when you step on the ground, every day when you have that cup of coffee or that cup of tea, you are interacting with the gnomes and you are interacting with the undines or the undines, the gnomes of the earth and the undines of the water. Those are the first two elements. Next, we have the last two elements and then the fifth element, which is man, spirit, fire, air, earth and water and space or consciousness which arises out of that space. Think of the pentagram. I'll tell you a lot more about that when we come back from break. Please check out thesecretteachings.info, email us, grab a copy of one of my books, support our fundraiser, and subscribe on Aftermath.media, the new archive for the show. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere. From the occult and theology to history and the paranormal, The Secret Teachings Radio Show brings you that and more Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. If you're looking to learn more in 2023, then look no further than books from The Secret Teachings. The Technological Elixir explores UFOs, artificial intelligence, and demonic contracts in the entertainment industry. Liberty Shrugged is an illuminating and nonpartisan look into American history, focusing on natural law, slavery, and the war for independence. Food philosophy is not a diet book, but it does help alleviate confusion over food industry propaganda with specific focus on bizarre ingredients that are put into your foods. And Occult Arcana is a compendium of esoteric wisdom, from theology and sympathetic magic to witchcraft, voodoo, and the origins of holidays. Get physical and digital copies of these books only at www.thesecretteachings.info. And remember, all physical books also come with a digital copy as well. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. You know you can listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. I don't need it. Or in the free archive on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or on any radio or podcast player or application. I don't need it. But you can also subscribe to our ad-free archive, now hosted by Aftermath.media. Definitely don't need it. There's the basic and premium option. You get the montages my digital books and more for those of you who already have a secret teaching subscription you can still keep that subscription just visit www.thesecretteachings.info or aftermath.media and subscribe today I need it. this is david ike and you are listening to the secret teachings with ryan gable why else would you show up with that thing on your back just three days before president business is going to use the crackle to end the world president business is going to end the world but he's such a good guy in octan they make good stuff music dairy products coffee tv shows surveillance systems all history books voting machines wait a minute welcome to the darkness the secret teachings radio show is on facebook and twitter just search facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings to like us and tst underscore underscore radio to tweet with us think about your hero when you're at ground zero and call up to the 
Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Nestle that doesn't think water is a human right. I mean, that guy should be hunted down and shot. Dude, this guy wants to own the rain. Nobody ever told you how much water to drink. Ever. Four glasses of milk, nothing about water. But then they started bottling water. And as soon as they started bottling it, they said eight bottles a day. Eight. Eight. You That's 56 bottles of water a week. You need a burrow to carry that much fish around. I need it. It's got electrolytes. What are electrolytes? Do you even know? It's what they use to make Brondo. Yeah, but why do they use them to make Brondo? It's got electrolytes. Aquafina? I think it means the end of water as we know it. This guy's like going, well, people are running out of water. What if we owned all the water? All sorts of spring waters. Deer Park, which I don't touch because there's a picture of a deer, and you don't need a deer pissing a dish in your water. There's all sorts of spring waters. It's both. You know where spring water comes from? It's got electrolyte. There's a couple in Pittsburgh that sits in a bathtub and fills these for couples up. Now, I'm no botanist, but I do know that if you put water on plants, they grow. Oh, well. I've never seen no plants grow out of no toilet. I need it! You are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. The four elements tonight on the show, the deep heart of the physical world, the material world, and all of its expansions. The essence of the secret teachings and occultism, the heart of the pentagram, I'm Ryan Gable, your host. If you'd like to contact the show, email tstradio at protonmail.com or rdgable at yahoo.com. The other email. The four elements are, of course, hydrogen, nitrogen, carbon, and oxygen, or water, fire, earth, and air. Each element has a scientific principle, as I just read to you. It also has a scientific equivalent in mythology, which is also science. It has an earlier scientific equivalent, and that is in the Undines, the water spirits of the West, the salamanders, the fire spirits of the South, the sliffs, the air spirits of the East, and the gnomes, the earth spirits of the North. Think the North, the great North, Santa Claus. Think Saturn contractual clause of Santa, Odin in the Norse mythology, the man with the white beard, the grand architect, that's the north, the great white north, the gnomes of the north. Of course, the east, the slifts are the eastern wind, the salamanders are fire, south and hell, the undines are the west, and the waters, liquid, plasma, solid and gas, the states of matter, the four corners of the world, of north, south, west, and east, they bring form and foundation to the world. So if you read Genesis, or if you read the Quran, or if you read the Kujiki 72, you find the same exact kind of descriptions, that there is no form to the creator, nothing existed before the creator, a spirit moved across the waters of the abyss, 
earlier I had you draw this out on a piece of paper. I've actually done it here in Studio 2. Draw a circle on a piece of paper and then draw a little dot in the middle. Put a little dot in the middle. Marker, pen, whatever. Think of it as the center point of all. The singularity, if you will. God. Consciousness. Think about the circle around that dot as being the heavens or being what is pushed back by, by the light. That circle is also Leviathan, the serpent, consuming its own tail, creating this, this physical existence, this cyclical nature. The chronology, Kronos, Saturn, with the four directions and the four elements and the opposition necessary between dark and light, light and dark, you have this foundational structure. You have Metatron's cube, the square and compass of the Masons, of William Blake's painting of God creating the universe, the 3D world, the structure of the cube, time, and the vault of heaven raised above the waters below and the earth below to create this egg-like looking thing. If you draw it on paper, the vault of heaven... You want to just put like, you know, a, a compass, a, a, a cross through that circle and you get, you know, the directions and you get the square and the quadrants of the square. This is geometry, it's mathematics, it's celestial mechanics because alongside of that circle within the square are, well, the suns and the stars and the moons and the planets and all the things that populate the visible universe with our pale blue dot somewhere in between on the outskirts. And it's all part of the hermetic axiom. And don't, don't let people fool you with that hermetic emerald tablet nonsense where they sell you these big books on translations of the emerald tablet. The emerald tablet is not a big thing to translate. It's a small thing. Large, in large parts, it's conceptual. And part of that is the as above, so below. And you'll see... This in nature with seashells and the way that bees move or birds move, hurricanes, the way that plants grow, etc. You also see this uh, in comparing, you know, walnuts and tomatoes and figs and avocados to parts of the body. Like the sweet potato or the yam is good for your um, for your insides, for your, uh, I think it's the liver. Uh, or is it the liver? The kid- I think it's the liver. Uh, kidney beans, good for the kidneys, of course. Mushrooms for the ears, uh, uh, for the brain. It's the walnut. It looks like its counterpart. This is a hermetic concept and a hermetic principle. Uh, I think it's pomegranates are the lungs, the avocados, of course, the womb, pregnancy, reproduction. Uh, I think it's grapes for the testicles. And all of these things have a, a close relationship with their with their bodily uh, component or their bodily uh, uh, uh partner in the same way that you know humans have this connection to the planets and the solar system is linked to rise uh, Robert Flood had uh, depicted and, and, and written about different connections between the stars between the, the the solar system and our body our kidneys our heart the sun is the heart so Jesus is led in through your body you know the the lungs and the kidneys and what they uh, are, are associated with like Mars and Venus and other planets uh, this is all part of the Emerald Tablet, all part of the Hermetic Axiom. And all of this is in Genesis or the Quran or in the Kujiki 72. We're talking about earth. We're talking about water. And this is the, the chronological 
event uh, or events that take place if you read Genesis. It's the light and darkness, it's the earth, and then it's the, the water. And part of that creation, of course, involves, well, once you have the seasons, and if you will, or you have the directions, you have the seasons, the elements, uh, everything starts to come, come to shape. So you, you get, uh, well, you get wind. You get things that begin to move. Uh, the energy or the essence or the spirit of the wind is called slif. And the slifts are elementals that represent air or ether or ether. Their state of matter is gas. Female slifts are called slifids. Not to be confused with the atmosphere of Earth, this elemental exists as an intangible and, an, and it's kind of an invisible uh, spiritual medium. Their home is in the clouds surrounding uh, atmosphere, although it's not the atmosphere. They live in the atmosphere among mountains, especially uh, tall mountains. And the leader of the slifts, like Gob is the leader of the gnomes, the goblin leads the gnomes or the earth dwellers, and Nexa leads the undines, the water spirits. Slifts are ruled by a god or a king called or a queen called Peral, uh, Peralda, P-A-R-A-L-D-A, being very specific about the occult nature of this. And Peralda is said to dwell upon the highest mountain on earth. And this is whether you're talking about Everest, or you're talking about some mountains that are underwater. Uh, highest mountain on earth, it's just an idea uh, that at the very top, where the air is the thinnest and purest, this is where you're going to find these pure ethereal type spirits. They're also considered not just physical height, but the, the highest of all the elementals since their element has the highest vibratory rate. It's not as, as dense as water or earth. It's more fluid like fire, a little fluid like water. Fire is probably more fluid than water uh, in, in, in some ways and in other ways not so much, but it has this high vibrational weight, uh, rate you could you could kind of see it as as a um, since it's ethereal since it's not physical uh, it's vibrating beyond the physical and this is associated with the idea of what you would call I, I guess every culture calls them something different but these are kind of like the muses uh, you communicate to the muses and you, in exchange for something, you acquire great oration skills to maybe to, to speak or to write something, uh, literary skills. You tap into your muse, which is really the soul. It's really you. It's not some demon on the outside, but perhaps demons could take advantage of that. Uh, lower vibrational entities or spirits could take advantage of that and then they could use you to publish things that are really uh, nefarious, even if they seem nice and, and, and cozy on the surface. But the idea is that, like a muse, slifts are associated with geniuses uh, or great orators or great authors. They're like muses because you are contracting with, in a sense, these ethereal things and they work through you. This is like the spirit. And since they are not constrained by time or by the physical material world that we're constrained by, uh, there is a pure line of past, present, future, infinite thought, if you will, that is available to tap into at all times. So with the assistance, which is what your soul is, right? Or that's the emotional body, the spirit, who you really are. That is part of this world. That is sliff-like. And accessing that higher self, uh, the point of a lot of Golden Dawn rituals, or just connecting with the internal you, you're connecting with the muse or the sliff and you have this ability, everybody does innately, 
to create these beautiful things. And a lot of, a lot of things that are created, um, through this, this, uh, this process have a, have an energy to them, an aura to them. And that energy and that aura is, you know, it's different than it's something that you can't really see, but you can see it when you compare it to just mass produced stuff, right? Mass produced, whatever it is. There's a difference between something made with the soul, you know, like if your kid makes you a card, it's, it has a, it has an aura that's obviously non-existent if you just buy one at the store, uh, that kind of an idea anyway. Now, these slips, unlike the gnomes, they don't, in the mythology and the folklore, they don't grow old at all. They're kind of timeless. And depending on the culture or the description, most of them ap- appear, uh, with few exceptions, uh, with wings. So they are kind of angelic-like. The sliffs were given the Easter, uh, eastern corner of creation, and this is why we call it the eastern wind. So the sliffs, or that which comes from the east, the eastern wind, uh, they make up the eastern part of creation. At this point, we have the north and the gnomes, the physical. We have the west and the water, and we have the east and the air. And below is, well, the salamanders and fire. And the salamanders and fire will actually take us into the fifth element. The fifth element is, of course, you. Salamanders are elements of fire, which were seen as luminous globes, sometimes witness hovering above water. So when you see this fiery globe, it's actually thought to be a spirit, not not just an illusion or something like that, but it's it's an actual spirit, something that is uh, could be like a foo fighter, kind of like a foo fighter. Uh, Foo fighter is kind of like a salamander in a sense, or you see the salamander, this lizard, this reptilian type thing, like a fire-breathing dragon, it comes through the fire. You know, fires have traditionally been used, call it pyromancy, have traditionally been used for divination, uh, as portals. If you've ever seen Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling, I didn't read the books. I assume it's slightly based off the books. So like when they go into the fireplace and that transports them to Hogwarts, or they go to the Hogwarts, or later they go to like the magic, I, I don't really know Harry Potter that well, but they go to like the magical headquarters or something, the government office, but they use the fireplace to do that. The fireplace has always been seen as a gateway or a portal, largely because, you know, through the fire, you can discern certain things. You might be able to see faces. You can perform divination that way. But it's like when you burn incense, you send that sweet smelling perfume up to the gods. You say prayers, hoping that incense will take those prayers up to the gods on Mount Olympus or wherever. And you look through the fire and it can, it can dazzle you. It can mesmerize you, like Anton Mesmer, the mesmerizing uh, animal magnetism. It can mesmerize you. And when you see through it, you can see into other worlds, it's believed. And when you go through that fire, not literally, although some people might be able to walk on burning coals and not be burned, you go through, like Harry Potter, you go through the fireplace, you end up somewhere else, you end up you know, at, at the school for witchcraft and wizardry. You go through this portal, this dimensional gateway, and you end up in this, this place of, of wisdom, you know, Dumbledore is the, you know, the, the head wizard and that kind of an idea, although it's, yes, a kid's movie, it's a kid's book, adults love it too. It's just fiction, but it's also based on very real ideas and concepts, very occult things that most of us don't think anything more about than they're just, just folklore. Uh, it's just, uh, just a story. It's just mythology, but it has deeper meaning. So when you go through that portal, 
you are being transported somewhere else. Maybe not physically, but spiritually. Like when you're in the tomb for three days, resurrected like Jonah, like Lazarus, like Jesus, etc. Like Amaterasu in Japan. The fire is purifying. You are cleansed in fire. You know, God uses fire to purify the earth. In fact, fire is supposed to be used as the last plague that ends the world. Not a flood, but a fire or multiple fires. The last judgment on humanity. And that fire brings about the end of the world. Armageddon, Holocaust, death by fire. Call it whatever you choose to call it. It might, might remind you of the, uh, the story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Figures from the biblical book of Daniel, these Hebrew men thrown into the fiery furnace by Nebuchadnezzar II, king of Babylon, for refusing to bow to the king's image. And Jesus, a fourth man, appears in the fire. We assume it's Jesus. Appears in the fire and protects them from being burned. So fire can burn things up and destroy things. Fire can also be purifying because fire cleanses when you have a fire in a forest. A lot of environmentalists clearly forgot this, that a fire in a forest can be and usually is extremely beneficial. It clears away the dead and it makes room for new life. Fire is a positive thing. Now we're going to go into more of the fire, but before that, I have our air compilation, our air montage. I played the earth montage earlier, the uh, water montage coming into this hour. I've got the air montage, and then we'll play the fire montage coming into the next uh, segment, last segment, and then we'll talk about the fifth element. So here is the air montage. Continue to spiral out of control due to the oxygen crisis that the world has termed the sickness. I know God breathe on this. 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 Continue to spiral out of control due to the oxygen crisis that the world has termed the sickness. The life you think you had before the contamination never happened. Put your mask back on! I can't breathe! The world we once called home is eternity. The fundamental principle of nature is survival. What happened to the oxygen? It is in our soul to seek life no matter what. You think that's air you're breathing in? You are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. I'm Ryan Gable, your host. I made all these element montages about, what, two years ago? We did a couple of shows. We actually did four straight shows. I think it was two years ago. Four straight shows. We did, um, I don't know what order they were in, earth, air, water, and fire. And we talked very particularly, very specifically about uh, what the elements are. That's what we're doing again tonight on the show. Uh, looking at the elements from a very, uh, let's call it simplified and sophisticated manner so that we can understand what is the real core, what is the real base of esotericism and the occult and the secret teachings, what all of this means, where all of us are coming from, the soul, the spirit, etc. We'll get into more of that in the next segment because that's where we get into the fifth element and the pentagram 
and we bring all these other elements together. So we have north, south, west, and east. We have north, the gnomes. That is the domain of the gob or the goblin. The north or the gnomes, that's the great north, Odin, Santa Claus, etc. The material world, Santa brings material gifts, etc. The west is water. The east is, of course, air, the eastern wind. And then the south is the salamander, the fire spirits. Now, these are very well known. Whether you think you know about salamanders or not, you know about salamanders. I promise you. These are called the jinn, described as beings of smokeless fire, uh, luminous fire. They are genies. They're especially prevalent in Persian beliefs such as the cults of Zoroastrianism and Mithraism. They provide a framework also for the demons in Christianity, Islam in general, and Judaism. Material fire was made of their essence and could not exist otherwise. And the slifts typically find a relationship with, uh, with the salamanders because they need each other, right? The fire needs the air you know, to breathe. Uh, that's why you blow in the fire. They could be felt and seen through incense, bonfires, etc. They were seen in the ancient world as being lizard-like or serpentine-like. Manly P. Hall writes that they work through emotional um, states or the emotional nature by means of, this is Manly Hall writing, body heat, the liver, and the bloodstream. Paracelsus wrote in his occult philosophy of the salamander. He said salamanders have been seen in the shapes of fiery balls or tongues of fire running over the fields or peering in houses. Manley Hall explains in the secret teachings of all ages of the elements and their associations with demons. The Christian church, he says, gathered all the elemental entities together under the title of demon. Slif, Undine, Gnome, and salamander. They were all just demons. He says, this is a misnomer with far-reaching consequences, for to the average mind, the word demon means an evil thing, and the nature spirits are essentially no more malevolent than are the minerals, plants, and animals. It's a very important thing to recognize. Something, as I always say, animates the physical world. Call it whatever you choose. Uh, I, I find it to be much more much more outlandish to believe in chance and coincidence in complexity, unless complexity is everywhere, which it is, but in terms of the complexity of the human brain, uh, of you know the complexity of animal brains and how, you know, how intelligent birds or dolphins, et cetera, are. It speaks to creation and, 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 and a divineness. It just might not be, just like Manley Hall says, when you see, you see the word demon, you know, it has this, this evil association, but that's not really what a demon is. A daemon is really you, you know, a daemon, a demon. And it's a positive thing that pulls away the negatives of, of life. And it allows you like Ishtar's garb or Izanagi, uh, his uh, clothing that he takes off after he sees Izanami in the underworld of Yomi. Uh, it's the, uh, so the, I think they're called gates or uh, garb of Ishtar. And it's kind of like the pieces of Osiris uh, these are the pieces of us, the, the darker parts, the, the heavy parts, the weightful parts, things we regret or things that we, uh, we have, we have uh, actions we've committed, things like this. These are stripped away by these hungry demons, and they help us to transcend spiritually, like uh, in Egypt, Osiris, the, the pharaoh. Ooh, excuse me, my microphone crackled there. 
Osiris and the Pharaoh, uh, who are one and the same. Osiris guides the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh guides himself by understanding the magic and the mysteries and, and, and the spells of the underworld and works his way through several gates in order to be reborn again as a star. A similar, I mean, not even a similar, the exact same thing was done in Central, largely in Central, but also in South America. They even had similar rituals called the uh, the opening of the mouth or the tool called the Peshen Kif, which is, means to open the mouth in order to get the soul out of the body and to get it to re, be reborn as a star. But you have to have, you know, the Egyptian Book of the Dead, you have to have the codes, you have to have the, the passwords to get through this process. So whether it's garb or it's bracelets and necklaces, it's described in the case of Ishtar, or it's like a, uh, it's like a cloak and, and a bag described in the case of Izanagi, uh, the, the Japanese, one of the Japanese creator gods. It's the same kind of an idea here. And, and we have to strip away all of our impurities in order to connect with, uh, you know, the pureness and the essence, the pure essence of divinity, creation, God. Choose to call it whatever you will. In fact, the same concept is actually present in Christianity. It's the idea of putting on the armor of God, putting on the, the breastplate and having the sword and the shield and all the stuff that goes along with it. So when we're talking about elementals, when we're talking about the elements I want you to remember that science today has a name for them. They don't call them elementals or elements. They just call them hydrogen, nitrogen, carbon, and oxygen. We call them liquid, plasma, solid, and gas. Uh, we refer to them as aquatic, infernal, aerial, and terrestrial, cold, hot, moist, and dry. And all of these different elements, you know, there are some animals that are more than aquatic or infernal or aerial or terrestrial. I mean, birds are aerial, they're terrestrial, they're aquatic. I'm not sure they're infernal, but they are reptilian-like. So I guess you could say they're kind of lizard-like, salamander-like, they're fire. Birds are all the elements. They're all the elementals in a sense. They're all the qualities of cold, heat, moisture, and dryness. Almost like, you know, uh, super intelligent beings. I mean, all these ideas can be, can be laid out and can be organized uh, in books like mine, Occult Arcana, or in The Secret Teachings of All Ages by Manly P. Hall, or there are plenty of other uh, texts. Even Plato wrote about this. He was kind of a eugenicist, but he wrote about this. Um, William J. Fielding wrote about these kinds of things. I mean, there's so many great occult authors that write about this kind of stuff, and they all have a slightly different view, which is great. We need different viewpoints. And it just breaks down like what exactly is, as I've described tonight, what exactly is the physical world? What is reality? Well, this is the physical world. This is reality. Metatron's cube, the square and compass, the 3D, William Blake's uh, depiction of God with the, with the compass, mapping the world, mathematics, geometry, uh, the mechanics, the celestial mechanics of the universe, uh, the firmament, uh, the dome separated from the waters, uh, the egg split in half, the earth and heaven, darkness and light, the four elements, the four horses of the apocalypse, the four directions, the four seasons, of course, which are associated with the elements and the elementals, uh, the four rulers, uh, the four angels, uh, the four scientific elements, all of this stuff, and the four you know uh, worlds of elements, aquatic, infernal, aerial, and terrestrial, all of these things are just descriptions for what we simply know as we wake up, and there's the world we see through our five senses. And there's also a fifth element. And that fifth element is you perceiving the world through your five senses, feeling the cold, feeling the hot, feeling the moisture, feeling the dryness. That fifth sense is space. That fifth sense is the soul spirit. That fifth element is the top of the pentagram. 
And that's what we're going to talk about when we come back from break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More after this. From para-history and the paranormal to the parapolitical and para-occult, you're listening to The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. You know you can listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. I don't need it. Or in the free archive on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or on any radio or podcast player or application. I don't need it. But you can also subscribe to our ad-free archive, now hosted by Aftermath.media. Definitely don't need it. There's the basic and premium option. You get the montages, my digital books, and more. For those of you who already have a secret teaching subscription you can still keep that subscription just visit www.thesecretteachings.info or aftermath.media and subscribe today I need it. some men aren't looking for anything logical like money they can't be bought bullied reasoned or negotiated with some men just want to watch the world burn giant fire world caught on camera. Just one of the 86 wildfires across the West, destroying homes, damaging critical infrastructure, and forcing thousands to evacuate. Greedy things. Self-destructive. Only out for themselves. So nature made everyone sick. And wiped away as many as she could. And then a miracle happened. Nature set the rest of the earth on fire. Yes. We started the fire. Yes, the fire rises. The old world will burn. The fires are in this tree. The forests will fall. A new order will rise. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. Tonight, the four elements, earth, water, air, and fire, or the gnomes, and the Undines, and the Sliffs, and the Salamanders. I read you what Manly P. Hall said about the elementals, the latter energies or essences or spirits of the elements, and their associations with the four seasons and the four directions of the material world, the square of the cube. Cornelius Agrippa informs us that 
when we do magical work, when we try to connect ourselves with the celestial or with God or with the divine or whatever it is, we try to draw down virtues, we try to draw down assistance, we pray, etc. He says, Whosoever therefore doth the more exactly imitate the celestial bodies, so whoever imitates the, the celestial bodies, either in nature, study, action, motion, gesture, continence, passion of the mind, and opportunity of the, of the season, is so much the more like to the heavenly bodies and can receive larger gifts from them. In simple terms, it means when you align yourself with colors, with objects, with the idea, etc., with those heavenly bodies, like the planets, their signatures, their energies, what they represent, likewise also to the elements, you can draw sympathetically on their energy and what they represent. You know, drawing on uh, the, 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 the positive and negative, the polarizing of fire, of air, of water, of earth. Now, when you put those four elements together, you might know them as the pentagram. Pentagram. Pentagram has air, water, earth, and fire. And I always try to point this out to people so you, uh, you can recognize this if you never thought of it. But when you see the triangles, the triangle that is pointing upward is, of course, fire. Triangle pointing downward is, of course, water. So think of a phallus, upward, fire, male, water, chalice, downward, female. The symbol for air is basically the symbol for fire with a line through the top because air is above. And the symbol for earth is basically the symbol for water with a line just underneath the apex below because that's where the earth is. Uh, air and earth sort of look like uh, candy corn, if you will. Very simple lines. Um, also, the associations with the four elements and the four quadrants Air is moist and hot, water is cold and moist, earth is dry and cold, and fire is hot and dry. And they can associate with one another. Earth and air can be dry, cold, moist, and hot. Fire and water can be hot, dry, cold, and moist. They can all come together in a central point. Eventually, we get the fifth point. The fifth point, or the fifth energy, the fifth essence, the fifth spirit is you. You're an expansion of that, an extension of that. The best example is if you've ever seen pictures, and if you haven't, look them up, of Osiris in Egypt. Osiris, the green god of agriculture or black god of fertile soil. Osiris always is wrapped in this linen, this mummy wrapping, which reportedly in the myth, he was the first uh, to be mummified. Uh, his wife, Isis, actually brought him back to together after his brother said it chopped him into 14 pieces uh which funny enough the obelisk at daily plaza is 14 pieces think about the killing of the king which is a very popular tradition around the world has been for centuries jfk's assassination was very much killing of the king-esque and then they of course have this 14 piece phallic pillar there in uh, daily plaza and the one piece they couldn't find of Osiris was his penis. And then the obelisk, when they put the pieces together, actually it makes the penis. The obelisk is a penis. It's a ray of sun frozen in time. And that is what penetrates the earth. And then nine months later, we have the harvest. It's all agricultural in nature. That's why Osiris is the green god. But more to the point, he has the mummy wrappings, the linen around him. And his body is bound, or his soul, because he's a god, his soul is bound. He's put into a coffin. 
uh, or a sarcophagi. And it's very similar to the Indian Brahmic tradition. It's very similar to the, there's even a, there's even a slight parallel to the story of um, some Japanese gods, uh, some stories of Ame Terasu, where she's actually a, 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 a guy, a male, uh, and she's taken uh, uh, to the palace on, on, you know, to be bathed in water, to be purified and cleansed. Uh, Moses in the basket, etc. Same, same kind of an idea here. Uh, King, uh, was it, Sar- is it Sargon? Uh, also was in the basket. So it's kind of like prototype stories or parallel myths telling something that is very important uh, but has been lost largely to time. So Osiris is bound, right? He's bound. The soul is bound in the physical body. But coming out of the physical body is the head. His head is always protruding. His head is always visible. His head is always out. And what this tells us is Osiris, wrapped in that mummy wrapping, that linen, He's bound to the four corners of the material world, north, south, west, east, gnome, salamander, water, undine, and air, sliff. And that physical four-cornered world traps him, but his head, the brain, kether, the head of uh, Adam Kadmon, the, the first man, uh, God breathed into man's nostrils, all of that, the head, the seven holes in the head, the seven days of creation, seven points of creation, seven lights, seven rays, seven creator deities, seven creator assistants, etc. It's all the same thing, really coming from the same place. The head is consciousness. So we think of consciousness in the head. And the head protrudes forth from the four elements. That means it's the fifth element, consciousness. Some refer to it as space. This is what we started off the show with tonight, space. Some refer to it as spirit. It's really kind of the same thing. You think about in the ancient Japanese tradition, it's space, air, water, fire, earth. In the Western tradition, or in, depending on how far west you go, in the Western or the Hebraic tradition, it's spirit, air, water, earth, and fire. Now, spirit, like the spirit that moves upon the waters, right? The spirit that moves upon the waters uh, of creation, the primordial waters, the abyss, whatever you want to call it. That spirit that ball of energy, that spirit, that is the creator, but that's also us. We're extensions of that. We grow out of that like leaves out of a tree. We are a a, a part of that spark of that divinity uh, of the fire, which is the soul, the spirit, etc. And that's why we lead into this segment with, with fire as the fourth and final element to get into the fifth element, which is the spirit, which is the soul. The spirit is the essence of the being. The soul is the emotional body of the being. But then the Eastern tradition of space I mean, space is really that abyss, that place where the spirit or the soul moves about on to create the world. Either way, the space is that circle, the spirit is the middle, and then it expands from there to create the directions, the foundation, the structure, time, etc. of the world. And when you look at the, like in the Golden Dawn, for example, they depict the spirit as being this eight-spoked wheel. Uh, Ishtar has an eight-spoked wheel. Uh, there's the, eight, the eight-spoked wheel, or just in, in general, there are wheels uh, that throughout the Bible and many, many, many other texts, you find the wheel coming down from heaven. Uh, the spinning wheel, the rotating wheel, the wheel of fortune, uh, which is the uh, the tarot card, the wheel of fortune, uh, has the sphinx there guarding wisdom, guarding knowledge with the sword. Uh, the wheel is also uh, a robberos, the self-devourer to the Greeks. Uh, there's the wheel of the chariot of Krishna at the temple of Vitala in India. There's 
the uh, the six-spoked wheel hiding the name of Christ. There's a six-spoked wheel that actually has uh, more spokes than that. It's got eight spokes, uh, but it's called the six-spoked wheel uh, used by early Christians to identify each uh, each of their uh, fellow Christians, so they weren't be, they were going to be uh, prosecuted or persecuted. The Greek letters I X O Y E can be laid over the circle to create this um, uh, this image or this idea of, of of Christ to spell out you know Christ Jesus etc. Uh, kind of a, a secret society type thing that the Christians used to use to conceal. Uh, their beliefs because it was, was dangerous to be a Christian, kind of as dangerous to be a Christian today too. Uh, of course, Ezekiel's will. wasn't going to forget about Ezekiel's will. Ezekiel's will, also known as a chariot, the wheel allowed for the prophet to interact with another world. Ezekiel 1, 15 through 16 relates, Now as I beheld the living creatures, behold one wheel upon the earth by living creatures with his four faces. This was the appearance and structure of the wheels. They sparkled with, uh, like topaz, and all four looked alike. Each appeared to be made with a wheel intersecting a wheel. So these were all four of these creatures that came down from heaven. Uh, there's like the eagle, the lion, etc. And they uh, all intersect on this wheel. It's kind of kind of almost looks like a, um, what was that movie? A contact, that device that was built. Uh, the four creatures seen by Ezekiel are the four beasts of Revelation. The bull, the lion, the eagle, and the man are collectively known as the tetramorph. And otherwise are associated with the four evangelicals or evangel uh, evangelists, excuse me, St. Matthew, man, St. Mark, lion, St. Luke, bull, and St. John, the eagle. They also represent the four elements of water, which is man, fire, which is the lion, earth, which is the bull, and air, which is the eagle. If you look at the front cover of my book, Occult Arcana, the front cover of that book has all of that on the front cover along with a lot of, a lot of other stuff. So... What you're looking at here, and and for the for the record, the um, that six spoke wheel I said about in relation to Christ is called Ictes wheel. I'm not sure. I don't know how. I don't speak Greek, so I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it. But I think it's it's Ictes. It's like e I C H T H Y S. Uh, let me check this. Yeah, I C T I C H T Y. Uh, excuse me, I C H T H Y S wheel, and the spokes. So there's four spokes. And then there's the cross in the middle. Each one is a single spoke, so four, five, six. That's where you get the six-spoked uh, wheel. You also get the, uh, it's not so much a wheel. It's more like a sun disc, uh, the solar disc with wings under Isis. I, Isis, am all that has been, that is, or shall be. No mortal man hath ever un, uh, unveiled me or hath ever me unveiled, uh, like not looking into the, the face of God. The winged solar disc represents matter in a state of transfiguration, Sometimes there are two serpents. Sometimes there are just wings. Uh, we're looking here at the soul. We're looking here at the soul and its transition from essentially death of the spirit to the world, birth, life, and growth, um, and then you know decay and death, three or four principles depending on how you break it down. And uh, then, of course, the uh, the wheel is also something that a lot of gods are depicted inside of. Just uh, Jesus in the solar wheel, uh, Ashur, A-S-H-U-R. Ashur was the national god of Assyria, depicted inside of the wheel with wings, almost identical, if not completely identical, to Egypt. Uh, the uh, the Egyptian idea of, um, uh, well, basically, uh, the chief god Ra, which is the sun, but that's the wheel, and the, I mean the Germans call it the Sonnenrod, the sun wheel. The wheel turns, 
as my friend Mike D used to say, the wheel turns and bodies burn. Uh, and that is the turning of the wheel, the burning of the spirit, the burning of the soul. Like, you know, people are fired up, the soul, the fire. Uh, this is all the this is all the spirit, the fifth element. There's the Indian will of life, the Tibetan will of life. There's the Japanese will of life. There is a famous depiction of God supporting the world. The idea is our lives are in the hands of the grand architect of the universe. And these depictions seen as the devil spinning the will of life or as God supporting the entire world. You can see all of these images in my book, Occult Arcana, which is available at www.thesecretteachings.info. You can find a copy of that today. It's a huge book, 614 pages. I just did a huge update and I just redid some of the cover as well. I find that again, www.thesecretteachings.info. So I know a lot of rambling, but I'm just trying to unload all these little points. Some people hear them, they go pick up on them and they, they go do their own research. But when you take all this into consideration, you look at the pentagram. The pentagram is the four elements with the fifth protruding from the top. And that pentagram sometimes is used with a circle around it, creating a wheel. And that wheel is called the pentacle. And the pentacle is a symbol. You'll also see that on the back of my book, Occult Arcana. It is one of the four symbols, one of the four signs. And one of the four symbols, elements, signs, horses, directions, seasons, I mean, really whatever you want to call it, is the symbol of protection. And the symbol of protection, despite the fact that a lot of people don't like pentagrams because they're, they're evil, they're devil, devilish, they're worshiping you know, Satan or something. The pentagram is a sign of protection because it includes all the elements of creation. And this, this fifth element of the soul or the spirit. And when you put all that together, you get this protective kind of cre- this creative, protective, divine uh, shield against evil. You call on in a lot of basic magical rituals, or even if you're just saying a prayer, you call on the four corners. You call on things like the four elements or the four elementals for protection. And they all offer something unique. They all offer something uh, slightly different. You know, the fire, the air, the earth, and the water. And when you look at the, the, uh, the elements of the elements, you have the cold, the heat, the moisture, and the dryness. These are all things, these are all properties that the elements provide us. And that's why they're invoked during magical rituals. These are things, by the way, we interact with every single day. You act, uh, interact with Meliocene or the Undine, the water elemental. If you go to Starbucks or if you wash your hands or brush your teeth, you interact with the gnomes when you take a walk on the earth, on the ground. Every time you see the wind blow, the trees, that's the sliff. When you see the idea or the element of fire, it doesn't always have to be fire. You know, it could be light. It could be the sun. Well, that is the salamander. That is fire. And all of these things, the earth and the water and the air and the fire, come together to create the world that we know. And the world that we know, the world that we exist in, the world that we live in, the world that we perceive to exist, and then we use our senses to determine what is what is good and bad and what we like and what we don't like and all these things. It is controlled first and foremost by spirit or soul, that eight-spoked wheel. And if you draw this on a piece of paper, I'm not a mathematician, but it, or you know, I don't 
do geometry for a living, but if you draw this on a piece of paper, you can draw that same circle again, draw that central point, okay? And you can draw the, the seven divine rays that come out of that point. So if you do on a piece of paper, I'm, I'm going to do this right now in studio. Draw those seven divine rays of light. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven rays of light. Uh, there's a book. So that you know creates a little sun or a little wheel. Uh, there's a book here. Let me see if I can find the name of it again. Uh, where is it at? I just rearranged all my books here. Here, Jesus Christ, Son of God. By Feidler. If you read that book, this guy does have a background in math and geometry. And he breaks down the Bible, uh, even the fish and the loaves that Jesus used to feed the masses in, in geometrical terms. Really fascinating. And shows that when you take those seven rays of creation, those seven days of the week, and you draw them outward from a single point, obviously that eighth point, that eighth point or the central point, because they're all going to a they're all going to a point, or at least we can we can draw a point onto them. Uh, you'd have seven uh, different points, but then they're coming from a singular point, so you have eight points essentially. That's 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 the point. Um, to simplify that, because I'm stumbling over myself here, put a little dot. Okay, draw the seven rays out from that dot. Four, five, six, and seven. You get seven rays. And then you look at those points at the end of the rays. Okay, you have seven points at the end of those rays. But there's an eighth point in the middle. That's the eighth sphere that Steiner talks about. That's the eighth sphere. You've heard me talk about the eighth sphere. You've heard Clyde Lewis talk about the eighth sphere quite a bit. That eighth sphere is the central point of creation, the seven rays are coming from an eighth point. And if you draw a cube, you know how you draw, people used to doodle, you draw a square, and they draw a square slightly to the you know, the south uh, east or southwest of the original square, then you connect the sides here. And you get one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You get eight points in that square. That's the eight uh, spoked wheel of Ishtar. That's the the wheel that probably to, to some extent or some variation that Ezekiel saw. Uh, the eight-spoked wheel, uh, the wheel turns, the sun turns, everything is mechanical and, and celestial uh, and, and mathematical and geometrical. So the earth, the world, is a square in a circle, the squaring of the circle. You might have heard uh, Marty Leeds talk about this before. Uh, and this is something, uh, the squaring of the circle that is like a mathematical, they kind of call it a, it's like a mathematical problem uh, uh, that was proposed by Greek mathematicians. It's basically the idea of constructing a square with the area of a circle by using only a finite number of steps with a compass and a straight edge. It's considered almost impossible. In fact, if you look at the square inside of the circle, um, certain depictions of it, it actually has a, uh, this is, why I, I love certain forms of entertainment uh, that I think are more than entertainment. Look at the Deathly Hollow symbol. It has a similar feel to it. It's a circle inside of a triangle with a line. Very similar to these circles, triangles, and squares, and circles, all the, the geometrical things relating to the squaring of the circle uh, in Pythagorean mathematics, and Greek mathematics. Uh, there's a way deeper meaning to all of this. It's not, a, it's not a cloak and a wand. I mean, it is in the movie. It is in the book. But it's something more. It's, it's the foundation of our universe, of our reality. 
the circle inscribed in a square uh, or the square inside of the circle. It's a mathematical thing. It's also the square, the eight-pointed cube inside of the circle. This is the physical word, Leviathan, on the outside, consuming his tail, infinity, in this cycle. And inside of the circle, the darkness being pushed back is the cube, the central point with seven divine rays, seven days of creation, or the eight-point, eight-sided, not eight-sided, uh, eight-pointed cube. Does have, you know, the eight sides. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight-sided, eight-pointed cube. And that is Metatron's cube. That is the physical world. And all this represents is the geometry's way of describing what in Genesis is defined or described uh, is revealed to be kind of like this divine, magical, creative process. Mathematicians and geometers, however, can describe it and define it in terms of numbers and in terms of lines on a piece of paper. But it's all math because God is an architect. Architects need to be precise. Uh, it's not that God is an actual architect. It's that the creator, you create something, you design something, the houses of the zodiac, the material world, you are an architect constructing something. This is why Jesus and Krishna are, are really good with wood. Uh, this is why the, the idea of the cube, which is usually seen as a dark and negative thing, if you're only existing in the cube and you're not looking outside of the cube, yes, it becomes dark. If you're looking beyond the cube, you can see that there is infinity, which is everlastingness. It is everything, the all beyond this cube, but this cube is experience. And so maybe by understanding this, we can more we can more accept that some things in life that we interpret to be negative are experiences that if we look at them from a different point of view, people always say be positive. Look at things from the point of view of you have an experience. It might be perceived as negative or dark, and it probably is, and you get really worried or stressed out about it. I do all the time. But it's, it's a teaching lesson. And you can say, maybe we were brought here to learn these lessons. Maybe you were, maybe you weren't. I don't know. But while you're here, there are other ways and always other ways to look at things. All the radio shows and radio networks I've been kicked off of and banned from didn't know what to do at first. But now I realize all those places I was kicked off of, they taught me valuable lessons in the same way that few radio stations I left by choice taught me valuable lessons. It's not just the positive. It's not just uh, the negative. It's a combination of both seeing the negative as positive and sometimes seeing the positive as negative, like a calculator really helps us. But if we don't know how to do calculations ourselves, we don't have a calculator, we're kind of a sitting duck in the water. This is balance, this is homeostasis, this is, you know, the light and the darkness, this is the vault of heaven and the earth below, this is the egg. And putting Humpty Dumpty, in essence, back together again. That's, that's kind of the whole idea here. That's the whole essence of the secret teachings of the mystery schools and Realizing this and realizing there's, there's something beyond the cube. There's something beyond the, the physical. And when you realize that, which again, in the mystery schools, once you realize that, you become immortal because you know that the soul, the spirit, is the real driving, interacting force that animates the physical body. And in understanding that, you become immortal. You can never die. You become Christ-like. That's the whole idea of inviting Christ into your heart, the Son. 
it provides all this life, all this knowledge, all this opportunity. And when you realize this is just one of many experiences, and that could be conceptually, symbolically, figuratively, literally, however you want to interpret it, accepting Jesus into your heart is not something that I'll sit here on the show and say, yes, I accept Jesus in my heart. But the idea of it is something I do accept into my heart because it's understanding these esoteric and occult things. Once you get them, they're just math and a little bit of geometry and some lines on some paper. It helps you to understand Genesis and the Quran and ancient Egyptian text. You realize, oh, it's not some dark, evil thing. Oh, it's not some literal thing where Jesus is going to shrink down to Osmosis Jones size and go and enter into my heart. It's actually a lot simpler than that. It's all happening in the brain. It's all a thing happening in the, the, the ether, somewhere outside the physical body, but around it, the aura, the spirit, the soul, whatever you want to call it, wherever you perceive it to be, that is the everlasting life, which is why, on a separate note, I always say that when you obtain physical immortality, you are actually obtaining spiritual death indefinitely. Otherwise, we've already got immortality. And that's like when you know Satan tempts Jesus in the Bible. It's that idea. When you accept Jesus in your heart, all you're doing is saying, I'm immortal. I'm not physically immortal, not cars and houses and whatever you want, but spiritually, soulfully immortal. You will live on. I mean, you might live on in, in physical ways that you never thought. You, you might become famous or someone might remember your death or you know, family, of course, would remember it, but it might be a big news story. You'll be remembered in that way, but you'll, also, you'll live on in other ways. And maybe people say, this is just something we tell ourselves to feel comfortable with death. Maybe it is. But it's also something that allows us, when we really understand it, to be better people while we're here on earth, to help others, to grow, to learn. If you have no basis or point to life, there's no like, there's no foundation. Things are just pure chaos. And you don't have any respect for yourself or others, and you don't learn and grow and What's the point in that kind of life either? And there's, there's a lot of philosophy mixed in with this. Tonight, though, I just wanted to share with you the four elements, the fifth point of the pentagram, a protective symbol, the soul, the space, the fire, earth, air, and water, north, south, west, and east, the elements, the elementals, the directions, the seasons, the horses, etc. More information on this can be found in my book, Occult Arcana. There's 614 pages of it. That was maybe one page in the whole book, what we discussed tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please subscribe to the show, Aftermath.media. You can do the uh, premium subscription, or you can do just the base subscription for the secret teachings. We're moving everything over, or at least the uh, guys at Aftermath are moving everything over. I'm very grateful for that. But you can still keep your secret teaching subscription that you have now. You can renew it if you choose. Doesn't cost you anything to, to keep it. We're not going to force you to transfer or anything like that. Just you can keep doing what you've always done. Uh, please grab a copy of one of my books like Occult Arcana if you haven't already. They're not mass-produced. I've got complete control over the publication, so you can buy a book on the website. And, of course, our fundraiser for Contact in the Desert is active. We've already made a good portion of the $500, and I uh, just need a few hundred more to hit that goal. I was expecting at least a month. We've hit it in like a week. Uh, so you guys are really, really awesome. I really appreciate it. Uh, also, I will be... I'll mention it again later, but I'll be in uh, Sedona on the weekend of the 18th 
at a conference. So if you're going to be in the area, you can come by and uh, meet me and check it out. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. We'll talk to you on the next broadcast. <laughs>